You're listening to Sounds Good, the podcast that makes your sound sound good. Today we are going to take a new look at stereo recording. I know 5.1 or 7.1 is really the big thing right now, but a better understanding of the creative possibilities of stereo imaging is still very much worthwhile. If we know what we can do with stereo, we can also adapt these techniques to surround mixing. Let's start with a little bit of background theory. I'll quote something from Dr. James B. Calvert, Associate Professor Emeritus of Engineering from the University of Denver. You'll find a link to his fascinating website in the show notes. We'll put theory in practice afterwards, so hold on to your seats and pay attention. Binaural hearing. We are equipped with two ears, just as with two eyes. The first thing we notice is that we are not always hearing two sounds with slight time delays, which is what our ears actually receive. As in the case of vision, the mind presents us with a single fused image, but may use the additional information offered by two sensors in various ways. The ears provide us only with time and intensity information, which cannot locate objects as accurately. In spite of this, estimates of the locations of sound sources can often be made with surprising accuracy. Rayleigh showed that intensity information plays only a small role in localization. The major role in source localization is played by arrival time or phase differences between two ears. For a pure tone, phase differences are the only possible time information, while amplitude variations may give clues with complex sounds. Stereophonic or two-channel sound popular in hi-fi is really something of a fraud. It most certainly is not equivalent to binaural hearing and is called the pseudo-stereo effect. It does give a much better presence to the sound emitted and the shifting of prominence from one speaker to the other gives an interesting spatial effect. Some success has been obtained in presenting sound from two loudspeakers that give a strong impression of spatial location. An important consideration is the Haas or precedence effect in which the mind suppresses similar signals following the first within 40 milliseconds. This is of course an adaptation to avoid disturbing echoes. Echoes, echoes, echoes. Traditionally, we simply adjust the panning of our sound to make it stereo. Here's a mono drum beat and we'll pan two tracks left and right for a more interesting stereo image. So, what did you feel when you heard this? To me, when it starts out, the mono part sounds confined, a bit claustrophobic. Then, when the panning happens, there's a sense of confusion, because my brain remembers a piano is a heavy instrument and these just don't happen to roll off in one direction. When one sound is panned left and the other is panned right, there seems to be a comfortable sense of spatialization. The piano might be panned a bit too much to the right, though. And it still sounds fake, pseudo-stereo or a fraud, as Calvert might say. 
What we just listened to, and what a panning or panorama control does, is what James Calvert calls changing intensity information. And he continues to say that this only plays a small role in localization. Hey, that's interesting. Let's listen to a single panned sound in isolation. Again, allow yourself to feel what happens when you listen to this. To me, this sounds as if there's something wrong with my left ear. Like I just went swimming and there's still some water in my ear. This doesn't sound like a piano that's on the right side of the stage. It sounds excessively far to the right and there's also something wrong with my left ear. So let's now only change the arrival time difference between the left and the right channel. For this we'll use Logic Sample Delay plugin. To me, this sounds much more natural and more rich too. Let's listen again to the piano in isolation and realize that this is just two mono signals where the left channel is slightly delayed. It almost feels as if you are playing through a reverb or something. One obvious reason why this sounds easier on our ears is that there's the same amount of music in both our ears. Our left ear is no longer filled with water or deaf or something, it just receives the mono signal a little later. This is called the Haas effect, also known as the precedence effect or the law of the first wavefront. To achieve this, simply put a sample delay in your channel strip and delay one of the channels a bit. How much can you sample delay a channel? Of course your ears will tell you what sounds best, but Haas, who researched this, concluded that the mind suppresses similar signals following the first within 40 milliseconds. So, assuming logic sample rate is set at 44.1 kHz, that means we can delay one channel up to 1764 samples before our brain starts to hear two different sounds. Wanna try? We start with a mono sound. Okay, that sounds mono. Now as soon as we increase the delay of one channel, our brain immediately picks up on the arrival time difference. As we increase the time difference up to the Haas threshold point, we keep hearing one sound emanating from the left. But if we go above 1764 samples, we start to discern two sounds. So remember, you can use arrival time differences instead of simply panning, or use a combination of the two. How much sample delay you can get away with depends on your source material. The amplitude envelope and the frequency of the source material both have an influence. Amazingly, you can automate the sample delay without distortion. This means you can have your sound pan from left to right using sample delay automation. Here's the mono sound first. And 
And here's how it sounds with some automated sample delay. As a demonstration of what you can do with logic automation, let's look at how I created this stereo effect. First of all, I started with a logic project called Gridlock. This contains a whole bunch of regions with automation data. Even if you don't have Gridlock, you might be interested to know how you can convert automation data around to make the best use of it. I start by dragging a triangle volume automation region on top of my mono synthesizer. All the Gridlock regions contain region-based volume automation. So it sounds like this now. First of all, let's turn this region automation into track automation. From the options menu, we select track automation, move all region control data to track automation. The gridlock region is now empty and we have volume track automation instead, but it still sounds exactly the same. Let's first get rid of this empty gridlock region. Sometimes it's a bit difficult to select a single region which completely overlaps regions we want to keep. Choose Select Empty Regions from Logic's lower edit menu. Then press Backspace and our empty region is gone. When Logic asks if we want to also erase automation data, we of course choose Don't Erase. Now we would like to see our volume automation data. So turn on Track Automation if it isn't visible yet. In our previous episode of Sounds Good, I explained how you can make key commands, so you might want to check out that episode to see how you can make a very handy key command to toggle track automation on and off. Okay, volume automation it is. Let's transform this into another kind of automation. Hold down the option key while you click on volume. Now choose the kind of data you want to turn this automation into and release the option key. In this case we choose sample delay, delay right. When Logic asks us if we want to convert or copy and convert, we choose the former and simply convert the volume automation into sample delay automation. This is a really powerful trick to put in your bag. The original volume automation from Gridlock goes from one extreme to the other, so it sounds a bit weird now. To adjust this automation data to a lower level, select it if it isn't already. To select automation data, choose the arrow tool and shift drag a so-called rubber band around the automation you want to adjust. Now click next to one of the automation points and drag the entire sample delay automation down. We want the right channel delay to go from 0 to about 150 samples. To make sure the right channel is sometimes earlier and sometimes later than the left channel, we must also set the left channel to a sample delay of about 50 samples. Let's listen again to how it sounds. And there you go, tempo-based automation fun. There's a link to Gridlock in the show notes. Another thing to experiment with is mono. On more than one occasion I have noticed that a sound would fit better into a mix by making it mono. Especially when you have a lot of stuff going on in terms of stereo imaging, it might sometimes help to make a track mono. Here's two ways to do this. For one thing you can click on the track stereo mono button. Another option is to insert a gain plugin. 
You'll find it under Logic's helper plugins. Simply select the mono control to make your stereo track mono. This is of course also a good tool to quickly check your mono compatibility. You may notice that the gain plugin also lets you face invert one or two channels. Let's do another great trick with the gain plugin. It's called spatial stereo and it's sometimes used to increase the perceived sense of stereo separation on ghetto blaster kinda stereo equipment, where the loudspeakers are a bit close to one another. Spatial stereo is easily accomplished by removing a bit of mono information from a signal. First we send a stereo signal to a bus. In this bus we sum these signals together and phase invert the result. We do all this with the gain plugin which is inserted in our bus. Make sure phase invert left and right are blue as well as the mono button. Now send some of the original signal to your bus. This works best at a moderate level. Let's listen to the original first followed directly by a more spatial stereo version where our bus 1 cent is set at minus 5 dB. There must be some stereo component in the original signal for a spatial stereo to work. If your input signal is mono, you can still turn it into something that's stereo, for instance using a sample delay, chorus, ensemble or a stereo spread plugin in Logic. Before we now move on to mid-side microphone recording, here's a promo from one of our friends. Hi, this is your invitation to join me, Ed Ovet, on a podcast that's out of this world. With a new episode weekly, you'll hear independent artists from all music genres, some comedy, a Know Your Podcaster's voice contest with prizes, and sometimes even a software tip. So why listen to four different podcasts when you can get them all rolled into one? on the Ed's Mixed Bag podcast. You can find me in the iTunes directory or subscribe via my RSS feed found at my website, edsmixedbag.com. So I'll be looking for you on the next episode of Ed's Mixed Bag. Just point your browser, where else? To edsmixedbag.com. Our next subject is mid-site recording. This is a special microphone recording technique that's been around for quite a while. To follow along you will need two microphones of which at least one has a figure of eight polar pattern. The advantages of using mid-side recording compared to standard A, B or X, Y recording are great mono compatibility and one microphone is aimed directly at the sound source which often results in a better sound quality. In this example I will use a Shure SM58 dynamic microphone as the mid microphone, a Behringer B2 Pro large diaphragm condenser mic as the side mic and a Digidesign Focusrite Mbox preamp. One thing to remember is that a mid side recording results in two mono tracks that you will decode while mixing. This also means you can still adjust the amount of mid versus side during mixing, which is great to have and gives you far more flexibility than a single mono recording from a microphone with a cardioid or omni pickup pattern. 
An example of recording MS could be where you record a singer in a club, where you point the mid mic to the singer and pick up the band and the room ambience with the side mic. Let's start with the microphones. You want them to be as close together as possible. The mid microphone is usually a cardioid microphone. It should always face straight to the signal source. The side microphone is a figure of 8 which is angled at 90 degrees from the mid mic. If you look at the images in this podcast, you can see an image from Wiki Recording. Here you can see how I solved it. The Behringer is floating in a spider and facing sidewards. I put the mid mic above the side mic with two clamps. The easiest way to do an MS recording is by recording the stereo signal from your interface where the mid microphone is on channel 1 and the side microphone is on channel 2. You can then decode this while recording or mixing by inserting a direction mixer plugin into your audio channel. You'll find this plugin in Logic's helper plugins. Make sure input says MS. Keep direction at 0 for now and then gradually increase bass from 0 to 2. At a value of 0 you'll only hear the mid signal. At a value of 2 you only hear the side microphone. You may want to start with a bass value of something like 0.7. MS recording has a very pleasant sound to it. Let's listen to my recording. First with bass at 0 so you only hear the mid microphone. Then with bass at 0.7 you'll notice it then picks up much more of the surroundings like room ambience, the sound of my computer and the cats running around. I'm in front of the Shure SM58 and the Behringer B2 is picking up the side. If I increase the amount of side, you'll hear the cats running around in the room. I'm in front of the Shure SM58 and the Behringer B2 is picking up the side. If I increase the amount of side, you'll hear the cats running around in the room. Sometimes you can make your poor recording conditions sound a lot better with a mid-side recording and a bit of reverb. I'm in front of the Shure SM58 and the Behringer B2 is picking up the side. If I increase the amount of side, you'll hear the cats running around in the room. Now let's see if we can decode a mid-side recording in Pro Tools 2 where we don't have a direction mixer. For the sake of variation, we'll use a mid-side recording of a drum kit, courtesy of Joseph Lemmer from his article Analog Obsession, the mid-side stereo microphone technique. We have two mono files, so we first create two mono audio tracks. We also create one mono aux track. We name the two audio tracks mid and side 1. The aux track is called side 2. Now we put the mid track on the first audio track and the side track on the second audio track, neatly aligned so they stay in sync. If we play this back, it doesn't sound very interesting in terms of stereo placement. In fact, this file is just mono. To decode the MS recording, put bus 1 mono in the send of the side 1 track. Set it to 0 dB and pre-fader. You can easily set faders to zero by option clicking on them. The aux track has bus 1 mono as its input. Now we put a trim plugin into the aux track and face invert it. Everything else can stay at its default position. 
We pen side 1 hard left and side 2 hard right. We group together side 1 and side 2. Make sure the faders are at the same position when you group them. Grouping is a matter of shift clicking on all the tracks you want to select, in this case just two, then choosing new group from the mix groups menu to the left of your mix window. You can assign any free group ID to your new group. Now we can separately adjust mid and side and come up with different mixes of the same recording with that nice MS sound. Here's a few last tips. You can experiment with the Logic Direction Mixer on regular stereo tracks too. As an experiment, try to do an MS decoding in Pro Tools where your input is a stereo recording, not just two mono recordings. If you need a hint, feel free to email me. Download the free Isotope Final plugin. This lovely plugin works in Pro Tools and Logic and lets you mess with the stereo image as well. You'll find a link in the show notes. Hmm, sounds good, Hens, but did you get any email lately? Well, there was a lot of email between the several members of the home recording network. I also got some thumbs up emails from listeners, but no questions yet. If you have a question or comment, send it to me as an mp3 file and I might just play it. All the music in this episode was from Alexei Nov, a Russian artist from the Podsafe Music Network. Next episode we will take a closer look at loop editing using programs like Isotope Fatmatic Pro. And I'm also working on an interview, so stay tuned. Hey, this is Ralamara. And Donna from Epsi. And you're listening to a Creative Commons licensed podcast. Homemade. 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 Hi there, this is Tony from the Homemade Hit Show at www.homemadehitshow.com. This is your one-stop source for all the best in homemade hits. So if you've got a homemade hit and you want me to play it, send it along, homemadehitshow at gmail.com. Or if you just want to listen to the best music being made in the bedroom, tune in to www.homemadehitshow.com every week. Sounds good.